This week on the show, we have a long interview for you with fiction and nonfiction author Michael W. Lucas. So we thought we'd pack this into the full episode and put a couple of questions at the end from the audience. So enjoy this week's episode of BSD now. BSD Now, episode 267, Absolute Free BSD, recorded on 10th of October 2018. Hello, I'm your host, Benedict Kreuschling. And I'm Alan Jude. And while everyone is scrambling to look at their main boards to look for certain chips that don't belong there, little hint from us, look, take your magnifying glass, because they're super micro. Um, we have a little interview for you with Michael W. Lucas, so this is coming up next. Yeah, um... I'm not so sure about the super micro thing uh, yeah, with the, kind the of... veracity that Apple and uh, and Amazon are denying it. I'm I'm not so <laughs> sure that the the Bloomberg people got it right. Also, yeah, you know, some of the technical details in their reporting seem a bit off. You know, just the way they describe it being between the CPU and the memory, where I think they actually mean that it was between the BMC and the flash, which is not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and more Apple. for the uh, tech snap, actually. Yeah. Um, Cernet, but I, discuss I'm, that. I'm not so sure exactly what's going on there. And so far, I've seen a bunch of different people who have that exact model of motherboard post pictures where there isn't something that's mm. not supposed to be there. Uh, so it's probably from a certain period. Well, it, it, because it has to be put there during manufacturing, it's very difficult to make sure only the right people get it. Uh, mm. so and I, you, we'll see. Uh, maybe and you would uh, think that they would not week, only target super micros; right. they would also target the other motherboards that are manufactured right. well, in China. And we all know that the the BMCs have been a security problem on every manufacturer. Uh, yeah, Dell has the iDracula bug right now, where they have uh, a problem <laughs> where they can mitigate it, but they can't actually solve it. it only newer generations will be fixed. Uh, mm. HP has problems. Lenovo has problems, etc. Uh, but we'll it's wait and see. Uh, maybe we'll. We'll have more information over the next week or so. Yeah, it will see. Uh, it will be interesting to see how it unfolds and what people find out uh, and as more details come to come uh, to light. These type of supply chain attacks are totally feasible and are likely to be a thing. I'm just not sure if uh, this particular one isn't blown out of proportion yet. Anyway, on to the interview. Enjoy our interview with Michael W. Lucas. And we're back with our interview with Michael W. Lucas. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you've been here countless times now, so we don't need to do big introductions. Uh, but it's been a while since you were last on the show, so we might as well catch up on what you've been up to these last years, months. I don't know how long it was. I think it's a year or so. Oh, yeah. It's perfect time. Yeah. 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 I mean, we saw each other at BSD Can, and that was nice, but other people didn't get uh, the chance who uh, weren't at the conference, so we might as well ask you now and uh, in person. Well, uh, mostly what I've been doing is is trying to make books. Uh, I think this is what's come out since I was last on. Ooh. So, oh, that's a pretty hefty stack. Yeah, yeah, this is the... I think this is the reason I'm here. It's the brand new Absolute FreeBSD third edition, off the printer the day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. You can you can still smell the offset printing. That's the best thing when buying a new book, right? You, you oh, open yes. the pages and the the smell of the fresh print. I mean, whatever they put in there, uh, that's just ah the knowledge. Yes, <laughs> and and when you get a case of them. Uh, a case is only 10 books because it's pretty heavy. Mm. Uh, and you first slice that open and the aroma just spills <laughs> out and fills the whole room. Ah, it's the smell of success. Yeah, and hard work. <laughs> yes, yes, that too. Well, uh, you know, one part of the payoff. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and, you know, worst case... 
Uh, books are excellent insulators. You can level tables with them if they're, you know, seriously out of whack. You know, it's Detroit, so you can bulletproof your car. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I've checked the, these particular books burn very easily if you need fire starter. Yeah, I, it's I, the winter season coming, so... Yes, yeah. I have like 400 copies of the PGP book somewhere <laughs> around here, so... <laughs> uh, that's that. That's the big news. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that took almost a year to write with uh, reviews yes. and all that. Yes, and then it took... Uh, we. It should have been out at the printer for BSD can, but uh, life happened at, with uh, the publisher. Uh, a printing company went under and mm-hmm. delayed everything because all of the other companies scrambled to uh, grab some share. of that business. And yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I. So, but it's here. It's out. I think by the time you uh, by the time this actually airs, people should start getting it from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And, and no starch will have their copies and be shipping them out. I just shipped out the copies for uh, uh, my Patreon backers today. They should have it. Uh, uh, Monday the 8th, mm-hmm. they should get theirs, and uh, a copy for Bert. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but Regeer, who uh, paid to be abused within the pages. Ah, right, I remember that. Uh, yeah, yep. that will be the, every second page or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, it's not evenly spread because I can I can fit more abuse into chapters about managing users than managing the network. Yeah, but I I, I hope he's pleased with with the quantity of uh, uh, malice and ill will in the pages, as he he paid eight hundred bucks to the FreeBSD Foundation for the privilege. Yeah, that will that should be yeah. Paid back in in good. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. I it it, it seems like uh, now that I'm writing full time, more and more, uh, the stupider my idea is, the more people will pay for it. Mm-hmm. Make a business out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can be profitable. Yep. That's. Uh, Oh, that's what I did for the Ed book, say, and I didn't even tell people what was coming or when it was coming out. I just—I remember just these vague rumors and and innuendo, and I was like, "What's this book going to be about?" Damn it! <laughs> and you know, I told people I was doing my best to rip them off, and and yeah. they sponsored the book. What? Lots of people seem so, very pleased with their copy of the book. Yeah, they <laughs> they are. They are. I apparently I need to get stupider. Yeah. So what you else know, was in that stack? Oh, let's see. There's uh the Ed book, of course. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm particularly proud of this because uh I got a quote from Ken Thompson. Nice. Which, uh, yes, yes. I methodically clean out my email to make sure that the inbox stays below 30 messages or so. And that email from Ed Thompson is still in my inbox. Huh. I, I just can't get rid of it. The, the prize jewel of the collection. Yeah. The prize jewel of my unanswered email. <laughs> uh, although I did answer it. Ah, uh, you- you don't have the other edition handy in print? Uh, I do. I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, the Manly McMahon face edition of Ed Mastery with, you know, the testosterone-laden cover. Uh, just for people who think, you know, the, the folks who write me emails complaining that I use female pronouns in my books, 
Uh, this is for you. Uh, I can guarantee there is not a single woman anywhere in this book. Take your pick, so whatever you like best. Take your pick. Mm -hmm. It costs how much more? <laughs> well, it, it, it's economics. Right. See, the, the, the addition, uh, not many of these will sell, so the price, I, I believe in print, this is 30 bucks. And some of them sell. I, I, I choose to believe that those are prank gifts. Yeah, that that's for someone you really like and yes. really want to appreciate <laughs> with yes. a gift like that. <laughs> and and since it's months after, I I can probably confess, uh, this book was all written uh, with first and second person. So I and you, mm -hmm. there there are no male or female pronouns in the book at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy There's, to make. Yeah, I I put one in, and you'd have to buy the book to find out exactly where it is. Yeah, but, then, because you, then you have to buy both editions to make the comparison for each oh, page. Absolutely, like every sentence. <laughs> absolutely. The good news is the ebooks are DRM free, so you can just uh, buy the books and run them through diff. Yeah, and. As one There's does. your answer. <laughs> yep. Uh, the other thing is the uh, the the new edition of SSH Mastery. Ah, yes, yeah. And this one, th this is a hardback. Mm -hmm. It's got nice, sharp, pointy edges. Yep. For yeah, just the time yep. when you need them for self defense. Yep. At, well. Of course. Self-defense or someone trying to use passwords with SSH. Because, <laughs> you know, th this is a perfectly legal, blunt instrument to have in your office. Yep. Perfectly harmless. And I've got one new thing here that uh, nobody has seen. Ooh. Yeah. BSD Now exclusive. BSD yeah, Now yeah. exclusive. <laughs> uh, it turns out that hardcovers are really easy to do. There's, there's, it takes about two hours on a Saturday night once you've done the first one. Uh, ah, yeah, that you're pretty much in, uh, in, yes. in training and you know how to do it. Yes, the, the, the first one is, is terrible, and then you go, oh, this is nothing. So uh, some of the books, I, I get really nice cover art for it, or I'm biased, but I think it's nice. And I have some books that have wraparound covers where the art goes all the way around. And then I have to deface the art by putting things like a title and a price on them. So I've got here, th this is the Relay D book in hardcover. Ah, without any text. There is no text, it's just the art. Ooh. And you can use the flaps to, you know, put things like the title and author information and the barcode. Yeah, perfect. So, There's enough space there. Yes, yes. So this uh, hardcovers are not cheap. I don't make any more on them than I do on a paperback, but uh, the the production process is still expensive. Mm. So this is a a the first ever. Relay D Mastery hardcover. I'm I'm actually gonna, as far as I know, this is the only one that exists. And uh, as part of Meet BSD, I'm gonna be auctioning this off. Uh, I'm taking. I'll I'll be running a, a auction on my blog. And for this, and for this. Oh yeah. Both I'm them? taking them to the con. And you don't I'm want gonna... to leave with them again. <laughs> no. Well, well, you okay. want to leave, but the books should stay they, at someone else's can't. hands. <laughs> I'm, I'm running the auction on my blog, so people can bid from all over the world. But ah, I'm they don't have get... to be at the conference. Yes. I'm going to get developers to sign them. So there oh, is yes. a FreeBSD Dev Summit the day before. And I'm going to corral every FreeBSD dev I can get my mitts on to sign that. So the, 
Uh, and then any OpenBSD devs I can find, I'll get them to sign this. Uh, and that, that'll be auctioned off for the OpenBSD and FreeBSD foundations. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like making other people generous. I'm just glad that first other hardcover wasn't Savage by System D. <laughs> Ah, I was tempted, but because of the way hardcover prices are, uh, that book would be $30 in hardcover. Mm. And no, no, there's... And I, I don't want to know why someone would want that in hardcover. I, I don't either. The content is hard enough, yeah. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know why someone wants that book, period. Sure. Did you hear but anything from the, the recording, audiobook. actually? Yeah. What, what happened to that one? To, to the, oh, the recording? Yeah, yes. did it appear somewhere, or is it... Yeah. Did it... The recording was auctioned off at BSD Can for charity. Mm -hmm. And uh, Patrick won it. It Patrick came... Kelsey. Patrick Kelsey. And it came with a very nice cat five of nine tails. Mm -hmm. And if you look around, you can find uh, photographs of various people posing with it. So a good time was had by all, except anyone who listened to the recording. <laughs> yeah. I have to get in touch with Patrick and find out what his plans are with that recording. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh... Something sinister, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's fine right where it is. <laughs> it's sadly, I think there's just too much laughing and cheering and so on from the audience to actually be able to sell it as an audiobook version. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, the studio recording should be a separate thing, yeah. Yeah, I don't case. think we're going to get George and Benno into a studio to do that again. And it wouldn't be the same if we did. <laughs> no, no. Really, that audiobook needs to be recorded by someone who understands it but who has no idea what the content is right because part of the fun is, is was uh, George's and Benno's just growing horror as they realized what they were reading yeah they both agreed to do it without having ever read it before yes. uh, which I was yes. just amazed at how well, they managed to do it without having seen the content before, especially when I opened up my phone, skipped to a random page and, and, and had George read it after he had agreed to do it, but before he had started. And I was just like, do you realize what's going on? And he's like, oh. <laughs> it was for charity. Yes. So you've, you've got to listen to it, right? I have heard it. Yes. Okay. I, I listened for uh, educational reasons. Right. Yeah, to see how the words translate into into a voice or to a language, and that spoken language. And, yeah. Yes, and the, the the question when you write something like that is, do people laugh at the right spot? Yeah, that's like the same when you write comedy or stage comedy. It's like, oh, yes. that didn't fire, or that didn't came over to the to the audience, and yeah. yes, <laughs> and the. Especially when you are writing something that is full of, uh, you know, growing, outraged, appalled horror. You know, you, you want to make sure that people get, give that unwilling, deep down revolted laugh in exactly the right spot. <laughs> yeah. You know, when somebody slipped the dollar bill into George's shirt pocket while he was reading, that... That really set the mood in the room. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm torn between wishing I'd been there and being really deeply glad that I wasn't even in the state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tell us a bit more about Absolute FreeBSD 3rd Edition. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let, let's go on to something happy. So um, like... Uh, what should people expect from it? Well, it weighs about three and a half pounds. More pages, yep. More content. Yeah, a lot of pages. 
Weighs more than your laptop probably does. Uh, what about your laptop? But that's saying something. Laptop. Yeah. Yeah. More weighs more than your laptop. Let's see here. What's in this book? I don't know. Well, there's a foreword by Kirk McCusick. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Probably the best part of the book. If you've read the earlier editions, that this won't be a huge surprise. The main thing I've done is I've I had to drop coverage of topics like send mail and setting up a web server. Because FreeBSD has has grown a lot of features, you know, stuff like all all the geom tricks, ZFS, uh, Houdier, uh, a lot of tools uh, like Blacklist D, which uh, personally I'm I'm really loving Blacklist D, and I hope other software adopts it. Yeah, it's very helpful. Yes. So, basically, if you're familiar with Unix, this book will take a a Linux or Solaris admin and let them add FreeBSD to their repertoire. I don't go into a huge amount of detail. I mean, you, you need to know what CD is and LS. But... I do give some depth to uh, topics like uh, man pages, for example. Because uh, a lot of people know about man pages, but don't really know how the searching works. Mm. What, what's the difference between a, pro- a propo and what is? And Or even just, you know, what the different sections in a man page are and where the information you want is actually going to be in the manuals. Yes. Uh, If you go on to a FreeBSD box and type man crypto, you get a, I think it's an open SSL web page or or man page, Mm. which may be what you want, but there's also a crypto device. And this was actually kind of, surprisingly difficult to write with a lot of new editions you can simply take the old edition polish it up throw some stuff out add some new things and you're done and this freebsd has grown a lot in 10 years yeah you know jails are totally different zfs uh, ZFS was around in the second edition, but it was still new and experimental, and nobody really knew if it was going to stick. Mm. So, uh, but you know, even just looking at the difference yeah. between ten and twelve, uh, which is oh only, yes, uh, four years or so, it's like wow. Yes, and this is you know, second edition was FreeBSD seven. Mm-hmm. So. It was time for an update, yeah. It, it's, BSDs in general update more quickly than the publishing industry will tolerate releasing new books. Mm, sure. Then they also want to make their fair share of profits. Yes, they do. But uh, it's, it is time. It's past time. Yeah, speaking of uh, the Absolute book series, uh, the chat room asks, uh, will there be an Absolute Dragonfly BSD or Absolute, absolute Illamos or maybe an Absolute Nine Front? Well, depends on the market, is, is the short answer. Mm. I've, I've looked at doing some writing on the Lumos, uh, really on Open Indiana, uh, or, or if you prefer... Illumos incarnated as Open Indiana. In that specific, yeah, incarnation. Yes. Well, people do a lot of different things with it, and I'd, I'd have to pick something in particular. Uh, the question is one of market. Are there enough people to make it worth my while? Because I'm, while well, people support me, and, and I'm grateful to everyone, 
who who sends me money for really no good reason. Uh, you know, Dragonfly doesn't have a large enough user base yet. Uh, NetBSD, the same there. Uh, I wish they did. Uh, a group like OpenBSD, the their market is a little different. Because as far as I can tell, every single OpenBSD user buys every single OpenBSD product on the market. Uh, the, the sales on the Relayed ebook were really interesting. Because when it first came out, there was this massive surge of sales. Mm-hmm. And it looked like... And, and I was looking at this going, oh, my God, I've tapped into this unknown market. If this keeps up, uh, I'm paying off the house. <laughs> There's a holiday in there, maybe. Yes, yes. And after about a week, sales fell off the cliff. Because everybody ran out and bought it all at once. And, yeah, and don't get me wrong. Market saturation. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's tough then. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong, it was worth writing. I'm going to write more of those books for OpenBSD. Um but their their market the only reason they're viable is because their people do that. I do wonder if there's a market for a Solaris Survivor's Guide and switching to FreeBSD or something. <laughs> all the jumping ship at the, the right the old, time like the people that were actually like solaris and then open solaris and it's gone downhill and the lumos uh kind of drying up they need somewhere to go well and and I, there there's so many differences that you kind of need that rosetta stone to convert like you know a lumos doesn't have top they have pr stat or whatever and so on yes and well that's what this is. Mm. And I, I think Alumos is going to be around for quite a while. The, there, there's, yeah. there's a devoted core there. And a big, a big chunk of it will be gone by the end of this year. Yes. Yes, it will. On the and other hand, too bad. Um, I, I, this is probably before either of you were born, but... See, back in the 80s, there was this operating system called BSD. And it died. It was, you know, it, it was this ignominious fate that was far worse than what it deserved for being such awesome software. And somehow, it's still alive, and there's this, this hard group of lunatics who are pushing it, and some of them are even writing books about it. So I'm I am not going to write off Illumos because they they can come they can come back and take over the market anytime. Mm-hmm. So well, we'll see. We'll yeah. we'll be watching. There's there are always operating system vendors screwing up and and driving their users away. Uh, I'm I'm not going to go naming any names here of any any particular ones, but uh, have you read Savage by System D? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, you hear stories, and uh, yeah, it's when you're in the operating system space, you look left and right, and you know the yes. news give you a certain uh, impression of what's going on left and right, and then you make your own. You know, yes. judgment of how your your own operating system is doing in, in contrast to that. Yes, and and it's all the the Alumos market or or any market really shrinking down, or or sorry, the community shrinking can be a good thing, because anything radically new is started by one or two people who pick something up and run with it. Uh, that's what Dylan did with Dragonfly. 
That's what Theo did with OpenBSD. You, you, it, it's always a few small critical people who take something and run with it and everybody else is out of their way and they just do it. That's how we got ZFS and FreeBSD. Yes, yes. That, that's how FreeBSD lock, lock converted Pablo in this. in a basement for three weeks and it's done. <laughs> yeah. If, if, uh, if Peter Wem had not taken a weekend and made the decision as a core member and a member of cluster admin to convert FreeBSD from CVS to Subversion, we'd all still be using Subversion. Yeah. Or if he hadn't decided, oh, it, you know, it's hammer time. CVS. Who knows when yes. we would have got AMD64 support. Yes. Yeah, it's always, it, it's always some, uh, some small group of people. Yep, and they have the stamina to, you know, run with it the first time and then entice other people to to join the effort. And Yep. Because otherwise it's not sustainable if they're running it uh, for years and years on their own uh, yep. time and energy. Well, I, I think we all know that uh, vision is a great thing. It's a wonderful, powerful thing. But vision without code behind it. Yeah isn't really anything sure but speaking of vision uh how did the first absolute freebsd came about did you have a vision there as well or how did you you know came come up with that the very first one? Oh, the very first one um bill pollock at no starch asked me to write it is it's the short answer simple as that i had uh I had a column with uh, O'Reilly at the time, Big Scary Damons. Oh, yes, I remember. And Drew's and, column also. That yes. Was also, yeah. Uh, for a while there, O'Reilly was really trying to expand into the BSD space. So they, uh, I did a BSD column every two weeks, and... Uh, Bill Pollack was looking for a BSD author. Someone pointed him at those articles. And so basically, I took all of the articles where I was trying to figure stuff out and polished them and glued them together. Because when I, when I started writing those columns, I, the, the truth was I had no idea how anything worked. I would decide to write an article on slices and disc labels because I had no clue what this, you know, uh, like DA0S1A, what the hell does this mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I wrote a series of articles as I figured that out for myself. And that led me to try stupid things like a, a multi-boot laptop with a, it had this massive six gig drive. Yeah, back in the and day. Back in the day. So I wanted to share the swap space between Linux and FreeBSD. And in theory, that would be just fine. And it, it turns out it really was. But thankfully, we have virtualization these days, and multi-boot is not really much of a thing anymore. Some and folks the, need it. With the UEFI, you can just put both bootloaders in this little fat partition, and magic happens. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, people talk about the good old days, but they weren't that good. They weren't at all. They, they really mm -hmm. weren't. I mean, without modern medicine, I'd be dead. So, without modern software, someone else would be dead. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, there were a lot of wasted efforts and time if, wasted. If we didn't have a set of I don't know how I'd be building these one petabyte storage arrays. Because just thinking about how you would do that with anything other than ZFS gives me the horrible sense of dread in my soul. <laughs> oh, well... We 
we did this back in the day. Uh, you would use GM and UFS2, and you would stripe everything together, probably as a RAID 10. And remember, there's no disc labels. Or, sorry, there's there was no labeling of partitions on the disc. Mm-hmm. So you had to have a monster spreadsheet giving slots and drive numbers and device numbers, and you had to compile the kernel to wire down the devices. And I actually... uh, uh, It's out of reach, but there's a bunch of that in the original Absolute BSD. Mm -hmm. So um, I recommend you don't. Yeah, Yeah, don't go back to those. uh... I don't... Want to know what the FSCK time on a one petabyte uh, UFS tube would be? I'm not worried about the time. I'm worried about the memory use. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, don't don't go there. That that's one thing that really struck me as I was going through this and writing this. How much I had to throw out. Uh, and how much has just gotten easier? A lot of FreeBSD's rep from the old days is is just wrong. Binary updates work beautifully. Uh, PortSnap does have a bunch of subsidiary commands for do all doing all sorts of common tasks, but really, what you want to do is run PortSnap Auto. Yep. And it just does the right thing. Yeah. Or, Poof. you know, use PKG instead. It's not all of us can do that. Right. But really, you, you run port snap and put it in Poudrier and distribute your custom packages built with LDAP everywhere or without X or whatever your particular need is. Yeah. And the nice thing is that you don't have to be a wizard to use all these because they have sensible defaults and make it easy for people to use them. And you can always do more and complicated stuff, but the defaults are really easy and make it easy for users to get into it and, and run something. Yes. I mean, look, looking at older editions of the book where, okay, a security alert has come out. Here is how you patch. Here is how... Uh, okay. When do you need build world? When do you need build kernel? When do you need both? <laughs> and now it's and, like FreeBSD update, fetch, and Yes. And I, I and think at that... At the end, it tells you if you need to reboot or not. Yes. Yes. It, which, reboot. You need to reboot. Yes. Just Reboot always helps. Yes. And I, I kind of think that the old ways kept people from wanting to issue security updates we have well, uh my web that's... server at 11.1 had what 40 50 patches and they're trivial you know i i would i would apply patches while shaving in the morning mm-hmm. yeah because it's so easy and, well, the, the free uh, actually want stuff to makes generating the patches in the first place a little more work but yeah, we're working on that. Well, that's. I'm I'm sure that there is a lot of assistive scripting behind that, and uh, it's clear that the FreeBSD devs are not ones to put up with prolonged pain. If if it can be automated, they try to automate it. I don't know. If you ask most of them, I think you would say that's what being a FreeBSD dev is, just putting up with constant pain. <laughs> yes, but you, you get to choose yeah, your sucks. pain. Yeah. So, so speaking of work and pain, uh, so what are you working on now? What's next? I'm working on, finally, the Jails book. Ah, yes. People have been so, waiting for that. It's been yes, like they have. two years in the... I yes, I I wanted to write a book on jails because jails are cool. 
but I really needed to write a book on how devices work. And then I really needed a bunch of information on ZFS. Which turned to write into this two book, books instead of one. Which turned into two oh. books. So, and then there's stuff like NullFS and DevFS. So that was the specialty file system book. This is the first book I have written that is kind of deliberately not for newcomers. Yeah, it's kind of at the end of this dependency chains of other books you need to have read yeah. first. Yes. I mean, IOCage makes deploying jails very, very easy. But if you don't understand how ZFS clones work, and you keep your jails running for a while, you're going to run out of disk and be kind of stumped. So... I'll I'll throw in a sentence in there about yeah these are clones and you know you you need to plan to replace these or add more disk because otherwise you're doomed but if you don't know why using clones gets you into trouble uh this is not the book where I explain it right it's you know chapter 5 in this book over here yeah cross reference yeah. yeah. and I'm also working hard to not. I don't want to turn the book into advertisements for everything else I've written because right. that's just rude. Mm. Well, and some of the stuff you can assume the reader maybe already knows, but if not, yes. references over here. Yeah. Yep. But you're not also you're describing jails in general, but also jail management frameworks because there's a bunch of them out there now. And uh, yes, we always get asked what what's the thing that we should put in the FreeBSD handbook, which is the the one true. And we were always like, well, the thing mm -hmm. that you like best. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm recommending either IOCage, uh, the new one, or just using the the raw etsyjail.conf. There are other management tools out there. Uh, some of them, like EasyJail, is a little old. Uh, some of them are not as well developed. But IOCage has some people working behind it and is under active development and works pretty well. So that, that's what I'm going with. And if you don't like my choice, you can use something else. Uh, CBSD is also very nice, but it's also a front end for Beehive. And Beehive really is a separate virtualization book. Yeah, that shouldn't be intermixed with the jails. Yes. So I, will, I'm, I may touch on CBSD in a later book, but... I'll need to write Beehive before that. <laughs> and, you know, it might help if it was slightly less of a moving target before you tried to write a book on it, right? Yes, I can't write on Beehive until they stop rototilling it. Mm -hmm. So uh, when they tell me I'm sa it's safe to write the book, I will write the book. Okay. So what else are you working on? Oh, let's see. I have a uh, a novel I'm working on once an hour, or sorry, an hour a day, mm -hmm. uh, just to keep my brain loose. It's called Terrapin Sky Tango. It's a sequel to Butterfly Stomp Waltz, and people have been beating me up for that book, so I'm I'm trying to get it out. Hopefully by the end of the year. And and those are the things I am actively working on at the moment did i miss the release of the sequel to git commit merger is it already out no no um the short answer is writing cozy is hard <laughs> creative pause yes yes it's cozy mysteries are the second most difficult genre to write after romance they, they have a very strict form and right now, um, I, I found, as I was working on the book, I, I track my words per hour. Mm 
And I usually write fiction at about 1,200, 1,500 words an hour. And that was slowing to one to 200 words an hour. Yeah. My brain does not want to be working on cozies. I, I want explosion. Yeah, I want gunfire. I want teeth and spleens flying through the air. So that that's, seems to be where my subconscious is going right now. So there yeah. it is. Okay. Well, I mean, you could also base it on a different BSD conference that you're visiting. So it shouldn't be the uh, one from the previous book. Yes, it's it's actually at a different conference. So uh, it, it goes it, around, yeah. So it, it goes around, yes, yes. So uh there there's no problem there. It's just my my natural literary instincts involve bad people with knives. <laughs> and that is not a cozy right. mystery. Right. <laughs> okay. Um so um what are your plans for next year if you can look that far ahead already? Uh, my plans for next year, write more books. That's a good start. Yeah, yeah, that that is the plan. Keep going. Um I'm uh keep keep trying to give value for money. I have uh one of the hard things about being a writer is you know, I, I don't really report to anyone. There is no manager except me. Mm. And I'm kind of a jerk, so I ignore me. But I have people who, you know, like my Patreon backers, motivate me to keep going every single day and produce stuff because they're sending me... Uh, the, the Patreon membership or support of me really is a bad deal for those people. Don't get me wrong, I appreciate every one of them, but financially they'd be so much better off just buying the books. But they they support me and they they want to have my back and I'm grateful for them. So damn it, I gotta make some words. Every, you know, eight hours a day I have to be here clattering away. For me it was mostly about making sure that there is a next book. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, there's th different there motivations. That. Yeah. Uh the the uh you know the the first book I sponsor I offered up for sponsorship, the advanced ZFS I, I did with Alan. Uh right after the money came in for that, my hot water heater exploded. And I had exactly enough sponsors to pay for the water heater. So I'm, I, that drove home that I need to appreciate these folks. So thank you all. And, and really just thank, thanks to everyone who keeps buying these things. Cause that's all I really want to do is write books. Yeah. And we want to read the good books. So there's a win-win. Oh, okay, good books. What good books have you been reading? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Not, not an author you would know. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so, um, so after, yeah, looking at next year, um, maybe you have something more uh, in the, the current time and date. So um, you have these semi-buck meetings? Yes, yes. Third Tuesday of every month. Southeast Michigan BSD user group. Okay, and how's so that how's going? It, is it growing or how's that going? It's... It grows, it shrinks, it grows. The important thing with a user group is you meet at the same place, ev same time, every month, so that people know where to find you. They can come back weeks or months later, and there you are. So yes. we've, we've had some really good talks uh, and stuff like... Uh, we had someone come out giving a, a, his, a talk on BSD for the blind. He's a blind programmer. 
Interesting. And apparently BSD is very useful for the blind. It's a lot more friendly than some of the visually impaired Linux distributions. The fact that we still like text for everything turns out to be useful. Yes, and apparently there's problems with some of the Ubuntu CDs. Because I, I, I think it's Ubuntu. Don't, don't hold me to this. But he had a nice little rant about how the software for the blind is only usable if you happen to have the ability to see. Mm, to, yeah. to install it to be able to start using it. <laughs> yes, yes. So we had that. We had one of our members built their own cloud on OpenBSD and is using Android without Google. Mm. Yeah, very cool. Now, a, a lot of our speakers and members uh, haven't spoken much at all. For a lot of them, it's their first time speaking. So we don't actually record the talks. I do encourage some of them to submit to places like BSD Can or Besides Detroit because some of them turn out to be really good. Well, I think that's one of the important parts of, of the user group is kind of being this uh, growing or testing ground for that type of thing to help take yes. someone who's never spoken before and, and just keep giving them a progressively bigger audience as they get comfortable with it and help them, yes. you know, grow the talk into something useful so that by time they come to something like BSD can and are in front of hundreds of people, it's not the first time they've done any public speaking. Uh, and it makes right. their talk work better. So it's better for the audience and they're more comfortable with it. And it's just better for everybody. Yes. And the thought of being on YouTube forever for their first talk is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, for certain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it happens. Uh, but before you know it, there's a video. You know, uh, of, of all the talk of BSDs dying and so on, it's been very interesting to see the kind of resurgence of the user groups recently. I know there's one that the one in Sweden started up uh, and it's been going very strong. I think it's only every two months, but it's been uh, having 20 plus people every time. So that's definitely strong. Uh, mm -hmm. The Polish user group has gotten so big, they had to get a bigger venue. Excellent. They moved uh, from the company's office to uh, the university to be able to fit everybody. And then yeah. I've heard of five or six other ones starting up recently. And it's like, it's good to see that, that part get going again. Yes, well, the internet hasn't just made PSD come back, but it, it's made it easier to find people who are interested in your area. Yeah, and who don't want to, I mean, going to conferences is nice, but if you have someone in your immediate vicinity you can like ask or that can help you with a problem, and yes. that's priceless. Otherwise, you have to wait a year before going to the next conference and maybe finding someone there. And yes, the, the, the closeness is the, the key to keeping, you know, your own interest uh, sparked. And, you know, we do talks, but ours are very informal. And a, a really critical part of our meeting is actually the Coney across the street or across the parking lot. You don't even have to cross the street to get there because we, we start our meeting with asking questions. And you, you don't get any answers during the meeting. But it does tell you who to sit with at dinner. Ah, uh, yeah. So you can you know, hook up with, with different groups of people who know your topic while you eat dinner. And, you know, the, the waitress there knows us by now and knows what we drink and it's... And, you know, makes sure that, you know, there's warm, fresh rice pudding with extra <laughs> cinnamon. Oh. So that, that's the critical advice for any user group is be nice to the wait staff. Mm -hmm. They supply you with uh, important uh, oh, yes. ingredients, yeah, food yes. and stuff. Yeah, it's definitely something that people you know also look forward to in a month. Like, oh, next week's the the meeting again, and I meet the people again and talk about BSD because most people don't have the they can they cannot talk about like 
things like Portsnap or Poudrier in their day-to-day life or wherever it is. They, they are surrounded by non-BSD folks and mm-hmm. they are happy to have some like-minded people at least once a month or twice per... Uh, yeah, and then, you know, having someone to, to talk to and get ideas from, that's certainly valuable. Yes, well, and, and that, that's where new users come from. I mean, we had a new person show up last month who is porting OpenBSD to a an ARM board that I had never heard of. Uh-huh. And it has this ARM board he picked because it has two network interfaces. Mm-hmm. And he got to sit down with Nick Holland, who used to maintain the OpenBSD FAQ, and get a nice tutorial on how to submit this and how to work with the community. And it's, uh, in some ways, it's very straightforward stuff, but that's what new users need, is someone to say, oh, here's the basics. Yeah, so some of that initial onboarding stuff is just that much easier with a high bandwidth medium like being in person. Uh, yes, versus, you know, yes. email and IRC and so on. Yeah, let's yes. sit together on the laptop and I show you a couple of things and then immediately you have the benefit of, you know, someone helping you and, you know, v- avoiding some of the errors you did uh, when you were a newbie. So that's certainly oh, yes. beneficial. Yes. You know, and and FreeBSD's had the culture of, of mentorship once you get to a certain point, then you get mentors and you go on to become the committer, but we're missing some more at the early parts. Uh, well... I, I think that has to be done person to person. Mm-hmm. And user groups are vital for that. Exactly. And if if we can bring in new people with gentle introductions. And you know, our, our group is is pretty mellow. We we have a diehard Linux user who shows up because he likes the people. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're we're working on him. <laughs> He's, yeah, it's uh, not indoctrination at the whole uh, meeting. It's, I mean, sharing yeah. ideas and yeah. You know, for yes. me, it was a slow process over two years, but I turned yep. this Linux person into a FreeBSD sysadmin, <laughs> and now they're giving talks at BSD conferences. Excellent. That's how you do it. Just you show them you the work light on one mind at a time. And you yes. show them the light a little bit at a time, so you don't blind them. Yes. Yes. Ah. Uh. So I, I think that's about all I have. Yep. Okay. I, I'm I'm talking at mug.org the night before this goes live. So you should go back in time a day and watch that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and I'll be <laughs> at Meet We gave people the link and stuff to it last week, or uh, well, I guess two days ago when it came out. So maybe yes, they I, won't have to time travel. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Yeah, I, I saw I made your show three times. I think that's a record. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for so, certain. Uh, I'll be at Meet BSD, and if you uh, uh, if you go to mwl.io, that's my website. When this go live goes live, I'll have links for these auctions. So, uh, you, you these will be unique, signed, one of a kind things from Meet BSD, signed by everyone I can get my hands on. So. Uh, anyone in the world can can win that for donations to the FreeBSD and OpenBSD foundations. Yeah, so give them not... your money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, if that's not enticing, I don't know what is. I mean, we can only ask people to go to conferences, but with something special yeah. in there, that's certainly uh, hopefully bringing more people in. Yes. Oh yeah! So thank you, Michael, for your repeated appearance on our show, and uh, keep writing. Good luck with your book endeavors, and uh, yeah, we'll talk in a, in a year or so, or even earlier. Well, well, anytime <laughs> you guys want. Yes. Well, plus we'll abuse you in person in a couple of weeks. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I'm. Um, and one of these days, I, I I will learn how to spell your name. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> By then, it'll be too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. Worst case, I'll write it on a little index card for um, 
your eulogy. Okay. Yeah, the the gravestone will have his name, so yes, easy yes. to maybe a rubbing. There you go. <laughs> you have a good day, gentlemen. Yes. Thank, you. thank you. You too. So, we hope you liked our interview with Michael Lucas. Remember, he will be back in future episodes, so keep with us. But now it's time for feedback and questions. First person who wrote in today is um, Paul with recent Beehive-related videos. So, the message goes like this. Good day. My name is Paul Webster. I recently released some Beehive-related videos on YouTube and was requested by one of your team members to send them in as something of possible interest. Probably Alan. So here's a link to the relevant playlist, and you have the YouTube links in our show notes, of course. And the next video setup will be installing FreeBSD manually, like through the shell, and getting started that way, likely followed by how to over PXE, or Pixie. So thank you for your time, Paul Webster. And another small one on the ZFS install is also linked here on YouTube. Yeah, so if you've been interested in playing with Beehive and needed some help getting started, uh, this user has created a bunch of videos. Check it out. Yeah. It, yeah, very nice to, to have people, not just us explaining things, but also people, you know, take the time and effort. Because recording on video, it turns out, is difficult, and you need to have a couple of tries before you get it right. Uh, so we're glad that someone is uh, taking up that challenge. So our next um, question is from Michael, uh, another Michael, uh, starting uh, or going about FreeBSD update. So this goes... First of all, congratulations on your show, and I've been enjoying it since the first episode. Oh, wow. It helps me keep up with so many BSD-rated things I would otherwise be missing. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks. I mean, feedback like this is always welcome, mm -hmm. and this is us going. So uh, the message continues with, I've always, since the days of 386 BSD and Minix, uh, enjoyed building my system from source. Recently, on your recommendation, I got a digital ocean droplet where I use FreeBSD-update and package to keep things up to date. It occurs to me that I'd love to convert some of my slower systems, the single atom core uh, or the Raspberry Pis, to these mechanisms as building from source takes in excess of 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, is there a way of side grading a system running stable uh, to release or, um, for example, going from FreeBSD 11.2 stable to FreeBSD 11.2 release, patch level 3? Yep. Uh, so, FreeBSD updates not available for the Raspberry Pi, but for the Atom and so on, yes. Um, FreeBSD update will go from whatever you have to the version you target. Uh, you can also, um, to help it, you set the environment variable all uppercase uname underscore lowercase r to the release that you're going from. Uh, since you're on 11.2 stable and FreeBSD update's not going to have a, a thing for that, you'll switch it to, uh, say, 11.1-release and tell it you want to upgrade to 11-2 release. Uh, and you're running that command, and it will replace all the files on your system with the 11.2 release patch level 3, and you'll be upgraded. Um, and then package already is, once you enable it, uh, you know, package upgrade, and it will... Uh, replace your ports with the packages. Uh, remember that package doesn't know about any of your customizations, though. Uh, so if there's any ports that you have uh, compiled with special options that you need to keep, you'll still want to compile those ones with ports. Uh, but yes, upgrading uh, with FreeBSD update uh, from anything to the release is easy enough. Just set the uh, the release you're starting from uh, with the uname underscore r variable, environment variable, to... Uh, one version older than what you have or whatever. Yeah, uh, and then it will give you uh, options when it needs to merge config files to pick yes, the right uh, one. So that, that'll probably be the most difficult part of your upgrade from 11.2 stable to 11.2 is that um, if you tell it you're coming from 11.1, uh, it's going to compare your config files against 11.1 and there might be a lot of merging and it'll be mm. slightly annoying. But other than that, uh, it's easy enough to do. The other thing you could do is do one last source build of the release uh, and get to like 11.2 release p0 uh, and then use freebsd update from there and then you can not have to deal with the merge conflicts as much but uh yeah you can do that with freebsd update yep make snapshots make backups first and then you should be ready in case something burns up all right yeah that's it and uh 
I, a couple of people asked us about FreeBSD update. Oh, I'm un unstable and I cannot use it anymore. So, but this uname underscore r environment variable is the one thing that you need to set, and then you can use it uh, like before. All right. Uh, next up is SIGFLUP with package search um, or package file search. Uh, it's short and uh, quick. Uh, how do you find out which uninstalled package a file belongs to? I have a build that's dependent on CCAR, and I would like to know what to package install. I'm totally in love with the show. Thank you for all the work that it takes to maintain it. Oh, thank you. Yep. Uh, so, luckily, our friend uh, Rodrigo uh, Osario has built exactly this. Uh, so, it's a package you install called pkg-provides, uh, and it will it's a plugin for the pkg tool that uh, adds a provides subcommand so you can do kind of like on uh, i think yum does this but you can do pkg provides ccar and it will tell you which package provides that file yeah so and then just will... pkg install pkg dash provides and once that's installed it'll uh, add itself as a plugin and then you can package provides ccar and it will tell you which package you need to do that yeah, that's perfect too. Because sometimes you don't want to install this whole bunch of packages just to find the right one that you need. Uh, with this tool, you can find exactly which file is in that package, and then you in, uh, decrease your overall packages that you have installed just to find that one. Yeah, um, yeah. it's it's nice because. Um... Um, even doing the search of the ports tree only tells you about the main things. It doesn't actually tell you about um, what files are inside the package, especially with some packages that have hundreds or thousands of files in them. They're big, yeah. I mean, it shows you the build dependencies and the run dependencies, but not individual files that are in there. So that uh, plugin is very helpful from Rodrigo. So yeah, thanks for that. And again, if you have also questions like this or any other type of questions, if you found a good blog post that we should cover in the future, send this to feedback at bsdnow.tv and it will appear in the future episode we're going to record. Uh, so yeah, that's the end of this show for this week and see you next time. Bye.